Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash ConcertWeek to buy now. Domingo Santana, ooh, I wanna have ya. Tanakas, Fakata, Jag, like Michael Waka, Polanco, and Franco. Kokomo Friday and welcome into Fantasy Baseball Today presented by Line and Kugels. More on their great variety of beverages later on in the podcast. Frank Stanfield joined by Scott White and Chris Towers. Busy podcast coming up. We have our week five preview. Let's talk about a few hot outfielders on the field, obviously, uh, and what their upside can be. Is Carson Kelly finally breaking out? Streamers for the weekend and much more. But first, guys, let's be mature about this. Scott and I were talking before. Chris, you weren't here yet. How do you consume a hot dog? What condiments do you put on your hot dog? So I, I thought you were going to ask about hot outfielders. And I'll just say Mookie Betts is a very attractive man. It's Bryce Harper, and it's not close, Chris. So nah, let's just you, he, he's not that attractive. He just has a beard. No, no, he is. That's well, the same thing with me. The yeah, it's the way he the way he can sling it around. Oh, it's you know? I, yeah. Yeah, I can't do that. That's like a what is it like a Pantene commercial? He's putting the shampoo. He's just waving <laughs> it everywhere. It's it, it is great lettuce. Whenever my fiance asked me about like who's your man crush, celebrity man crush, it's it's Bryce Harper. Uh, but hot dogs, interesting. <laughs> Chris, how hot do you? Dogs, yeah, so we were talking about it, Frank, and go you ahead, told Tim. me you told me you like to go only ketchup, which is yeah. a child's way to eat a hot dog, which is a child's food to begin with. I know, but that's... It, it fits that's my like, MO. Everything I consume is, <laughs> is like, you know, it's chicken fingers. It's I have the diet of like a 12-year-old, to be yeah, honest. <laughs> it's true. I, I mean, I, I, I usually go mustard with ketchup. I, I might go just mustard. Uh, you know, I, I might really dress it up if 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 it's available with like, you know, grilled onions and pickles, whatever. Mm, wow. um, Scott's going all out. Mustard most, is most commonly, most commonly <clears throat> mustard and ketchup. Mustard is gross, by the way. Let's just get that out oh, of the way. Uh, Chris, hot dog? I eat my hot dogs the same way Takeru Kobayashi does. I just dunk them in water and <laughs> swallow them. You, you just eat, eat like buns a by the handful. Yeah. Uh, just like uh, 40, 50 at a time. I you just know. thought of the scene from <laughs> Step Brothers. Like, like Kobayashi. Uh, we don't, we're not going to talk about it. Um, but Chris, you live in Brooklyn. I don't know if they're still open. There's this place called Criff Dog. They make crazy kind of hot dogs, and they have a, a bacon, egg, and cheese hot dog where it's it's just insane. So you should check it out. I oh, love a chili dog. Chili dog might be my oh, preferred way to eat a chili, hot dog. Chili really does take the dog to the next level. Like yeah. it's, it's Melt like that cheese? Chili, oh. whatever. Hot dog, whatever. Together, it's like, what is this? The problem what is... is Ideally, you only want to eat that at home, and it's like the only place you can get it is it's outside a, it's of a, home. 
Oh, I make that. My wife and I make that at least once a month. Oh, all right. Well, then, thanks for the invite, Chris. Oh, my goodness gracious, from Thursday. Oh, my good goodness gracious. Why don't you get us started here, Scott? All right. I'm going to go with Christian Javier, who's probably the obvious one on this, this, this day with a light schedule. So he came back, hadn't started since April 8th, went five shutout innings, nine strikeouts in those five innings. But what really caught my attention, well, what else? Uh, the, the the swinging strikes, 21 of them, 21 of them, including 11 on his slider. So he's a guy who's known uh, mostly for the fastball and, you know, the ability to vary the fastball that do a lot with basically that one pitch, kind of in the same way Freddie Peralta does. But he got 11 whiffs on the slider. And this is a guy who, as successful as he was as a rookie, he had an 8.7% swinging strike rate, which is... Like the the sort that would be at the bottom of the lid. You see that swinging strike rate, and you're like, okay, this is not a strikeout guy. This is this is a pitch to contact guy who's probably going to get pummeled in the long run. Now, he, even with that whiff rate, that that swinging strike rate, I should specify because whiff rate means something a little different. With even with that swinging strike rate, Javier managed to have nearly a strikeout per inning last year, which is not great, but it's not what you'd expect for that low of a swinging strike rate. Uh, in the minors, obviously, we saw him do like 14K per nine. His minor league numbers were just ridiculous. So he's been a really difficult pitcher to figure out. But if he's going to be able to get whiffs in the majors and even an above average way, not even necessarily the elite way he did tonight, that's going to open up uh, new possibilities for him that could be pretty exciting. And especially, exciting. especially against this lineup, Scott, because the Angels coming into Thursday night they had the sixth lowest swinging strike rate as a team in all of baseball. So that makes this start even more exciting for one Christian Javier. So spend some time at the alternate training site. He's back now with the Astros rotation. I would assume he's going to remain in their rotation as long as he's pitching at least this well. He actually opened the game. The first eight outs he recorded were all via the strikeout. So he just, he came out firing and he looked... Only one on like his last 15 outs. Yeah. If you're That's looking at trends falling apart, yeah, bad, bad sign. What what do they say about full game statistics are more? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I do think that um, after this start, Javier is someone that needs to collectively move up our rankings. I don't, I don't know how far that is, but I was looking earlier. It's well, probably it, inside the top 70 ish range around Sean Manaya, Danny Duffy ish. Does that yeah, sound that's right? fair. It, yeah. It's it was shocking to me how rostered he still is like. Oh, 87, yeah. 86, 87% in CBS leagues. I, yeah. I imagine it's less than ones that, you know, don't have as many points leagues where a lot of pitchers are rostered. But still, I mean, credit to the people for holding on to him because, you know, when he first got bumped the rotation, clearly the fifth guy, I, I, I clearly moved him down my rankings too far. I, I don't know that I would have held on to him with all the other pitchers, all the other interesting pitchers that were emerging off the waiver wire. But clearly holding on to him was the right move. Chris, oh my goodness gracious, from Thursday for you. I think it's probably got to be David Peralta, right? He probably was the biggest performer of the day. Went 5-4-6 with 7 RBI, a home run, 4 hard hit balls, 5 balls hit over 90 miles an hour. Um, Just a massive day, and all of a sudden his numbers look pretty good. I don't know what his OPS before this game was, but it's 824 now. I would assume it was well below 700, possibly below 600. 
uh, before his home run, triple, single, single, single game. If uh, anybody's got that information available. Um, And he's, you know, he's been good in the past, not consistently. And there are definitely platoon issues with him. uh, And he has not been good the last couple of years, especially, but he's maintained pretty impressive batted ball data over the course of uh, his career. You know, he's always right around 90% with exit velocity, but, you know, max exit velo is usually 113. He's actually been in the top 10 percentile in the league every year in the StatCast era. So going back to one, uh, 2015, um, you know, I don't think he's a, a must-roster player, but, you know, this, this certainly, he had a 665 OPS entering today. But this certainly, you know, makes you perk up a little bit. You know, he doesn't strike out very much. Um, yeah, I think there's, you know, if you need an outfielder, why not? David Peralta has started every game for the Diamondbacks except one dating back to April 9th. That's as far as I can see. Actually, I, I use Yahoo Fantasy to like see how often a player starts. I, I can, I can, there, there's a better way to do it, Frank. Is there? Peralta, I mean, Peralta has started every game but two this year for the Diamondbacks. Now they've only faced three left handers. Okay. And he sat twice against those three left handers. So it, it seems like they're platooning him, but also, you know. Maybe if they were to face like four left-handers one week, he'd start against two of them. I don't know. Scott, let's talk afterwards, and you let me know what that uh, what that easier way is to to <laughs> see how how often someone starts because it's uh, it's kind of tough to to find, or at least I thought it was. Um, Scott, what do you think of David Peralta? How does he compare against someone like Brian Reynolds, who is performing very well for the Pittsburgh Pirates? Uh, Reynolds is fifty six percent roster. David Peralta is thirty seven percent. So. If you need an outfielder, they're both available. Yeah, I'd rather have Reynolds, who, Same. you know, yeah, I'm sure Chris would too. Um, heading into last year, he was on the verge of being a must-start guy. He looked like a very safe bet for batting average, great line drive rate. Uh, he hit well over 300 as a rookie with an XBA of 290, one of the best in the league. Uh, and then there was the weird 2020 season where, it's hard to make anything of anything, and he was terrible. But it, it pretty much everything has bounced back to that 2019 level as a rookie when we were buying him as this, as this high batting average guy with enough power for that batting average to, um, you know, for for you to get the most most out of it, for you to want him to be in your lineup regardless of the format. So yeah, um, back on board with Reynolds is he, he's overdue to be added in a lot of leagues. I feel like. Oh my goodness gracious for me. Saw the YouTube chat talking about him a lot already. And it's Ryan Weathers at the Dodgers. Five and two-thirds shutout. One hit, one walk, six strikeouts. Only nine whiffs on 89 pitches. But somebody who comes with some prospect pedigree. He probably didn't get as much hype as he should have, at least based on draft status. He was a first-round pick back in 2018. uh, Just because the Padres have a loaded farm system. And Mackenzie Gore is the top pitching prospect in all of baseball. Uh, But in the minors for Ryan Weathers, 3.78 ERA, 1.24 whip, 108 strikeouts, and 114 and a third innings pitched. He is 18% rostered, and this was a very, very impressive start. And it looks like his next matchup will be either at the Diamondbacks or at home against the Giants. So either one is pretty interesting. What do you guys think about Ryan Weathers? Yeah, I'm not ready to to really make a play for him in a standard mixed league, but 
there's enough pedigree there that I could see it. Um, I, I could see him becoming relevant. I, I do think he's going to delay the arri- arrival of McKenzie Gore for a while. Really, I think McKenzie Gore himself is going <laughs> to delay the arrival of Gore for a while. Uh, plus the fact that it doesn't sound like the Padres are they're not even they're not even sending Lamette in for an MRI. Uh, last I saw, so they don't seem to think it's a big deal. So it it might only be a short stay for him on the IL, and then it might be a short stay for him on the mound again. But yeah, I, I don't think I, I don't think I'm ready to move on Weathers, and I don't think we're going to see Gore really uh, anytime in the next few weeks. I am contemplating making a move. I have waivers that run on Thursday night is when we're recording this. In a 15-team Roto League, would you guys drop Adbert Alzali for Ryan Weathers? No. Yeah, I don't think I would. It's close, like, I don't right? really... I don't really... I guess if it was a head-to-head points league, sure, because Alzali is not RP eligible, right? I don't believe so. I think he was last, but last Ryan, season, maybe. Ryan Weathers is a spark, right? Yeah, he is a spark. So that might be the one where if if you're in a head-to-head points league, I, I may consider adding Ryan Ryan Weathers over uh, Alzale. Yeah, only 18% rostered. So I'm debating. I'm thinking about making this move, dropping Alzale for uh, Ryan Weathers. Something like a 2-3% bid on him. But this is, again, a deeper league. Uh, but if you play in a points league and you need a relief pitcher, some spark eligibility, Ryan Weathers, he looked really good on Thursday. An honorable... Honorable mention here for Alex Cobb, who was just dreadful at the Houston Astros. He allowed five runs. Four of those were earned over two and two-thirds innings pitch. He walked three. And this can happen at times for splitter-heavy pitchers where the control could just go completely haywire and, and things just get you know out of control very quickly. So uh, we were kind of touting Cobb as an ad. Scott, who would you want most out of this group? Michael Fulmer, Jake Junis, Kyle Gibson, Alex Cobb. They are all rostered in under 40% of CBS leagues. I still want Fulmer the most. I wasn't I wasn't really put off by that second start. You know, you wanted better against the Pirates, uh, but there were still a lot of good signs. I'm not it didn't really change my opinion of Fulmer. So he's still number 1 for me. I mean, look, I I'm totally fine dropping Cobb for any of those other 3. Yep. I probably would slot him ahead of Gibson still personally, but it's not with enough conviction that I think it's a must to hold on to Cobb. I, you know, it was worth a shot on Cobb because the split are so in- interesting. And 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 look, maybe he bounces back in his next start, but the, the odds are heavily against him being a fantasy asset this year, uh, given the how the last few years of his career have gone. You know, that's this is this is a normal thing. And early in the season, a lot of pitchers spring up. Oh, this guy's pretty interesting. I wonder where this is going to go. And then, you know, a big percentage of that group. Disqualifies itself, and and we reach kind of a stasis period where, yeah, occasionally new new starting pitching pitcher options spring up, but not with near the frequency. And I think uh, I I'm assuming this start for Cobb means he's been weeded out. Whoa! I just saw some interesting news here. The Twins are placing Miguel Sano on the IL. Alex Kirilov to oh, be recalled. So. All right. I saw an article on Thursday from The Athletic. Should have mentioned the author, but I don't have it. Uh, but I like to give credit, but I, I don't know who wrote it. Um, so Alex Kirilov is headed back to the Twins. Chris, how imperative is that? Is it that you get Kirilov on your team? He's 47% rostered on CBS. 
Uh, he'll be the lead of my waiver wire column that I'm going to write after this show. So I think if if you're in a league where he's not rostered, I think you should probably go ahead and, and add him. I, I'm not necessarily convinced he'll be a superstar, but you know, it's when you're talking about a top prospect, it's always worth uh, taking the risk. And I don't know about you guys, but I feel like my outfielders kind of stink in a lot of leagues. It's been a really rough start for for outfield, and every time it, it I look has. at my rankings, I look yeah. at like. I get to like 30 and I'm just like, yeah. Oh, that's all the outfielders. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> no <it's> like, <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, like how, how much should I be sweating? Uh, 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 uh the name's not coming to me. <laughs> um, yeah. How, how much should I be sweating? Like, uh, like a Ryan Mountcastle. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> versus, versus like or, Ian, car- Ian Happ, you know, like, yeah. Like, I would drop Cole Calhoun, Clint Frazier, for Victor Ke- Robles, and anything but uh, categories league. This is uh, yeah, four. I think this is four Kirilov, right? Four Kirilov. Okay. Yes. So you, you know, you, and you might if, if Kirilov arrives and plays a lot and does well, you might probably prefer him in the outfield anyway. But I, I guessing he's going to pick up first base eligibility here. That he's just going to directly replace Sano at first base because. That a lot of people oh, think that's yeah, where that he's eventually going to wind up anyway, and he played it a lot this spring. Uh, Alex Kirilov did, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Roster resources already threw him over there at first base, so he'll have dual eligibility, forty-seven percent rostered. Add Alex Kirilov if you can, one of the top prospects in the game and the top prospect for the Minnesota Twins. Before we get to news and notes, I just want to tell you about the all-new Stitcher podcast app it's been rebuilt from the ground up to make it easier to listen to podcasts on the go or on the revamped web player stitcher is home to all your favorite podcasts from classics like my favorite murder this american life and how did this get made plus all the cbs shows such as ion college basketball fantasy football today and of course fantasy baseball today and fbt in five Stitcher gives you more control like setting your download preferences per show and the ability to listen at virtually any speed. With Stitcher, you can listen to your podcast anytime, anywhere. So give the all-new Stitcher a try. Download it in the App Store or at stitcherapp.com slash download. News and notes outside of Kirilov, of course. Mike Trout left Thursday's game against the Astros after getting hit by a pitch on his elbow. It looked pretty scary at the time. His arm was just kind of like dangling and he was walking around and he was clearly in pain. But uh, as of now, they're calling it an elbow contusion. I would guess that Mike Trout is going to be fine. But so now no first round hitters are healthy. Except, I guess, Jose Ramirez and Trey Turner. Yeah. And Trevor Story. And Jose Ramirez (laughs) stinks again. No, I'm just kidding. He's going to be perfectly fine. Um, Yeah, his StatCast page is great, by the way. I I tweeted a thing out on Thursday about, okay, if you have any of these hitters, the underlying numbers still look really, really good. So... Patience, yeah. patience. Cabrian Hayes re-aggravated his wrist injury while taking swings in Detroit, which sucks because yeah. he looked great in the spring, homered in his first game, and now he's having a setback. As a result, the Pirates selected the contract of Todd Frazier, and they DFA'd Dustin Fowler. Denelson Lamette and Keone Keller were both placed on the IL by the Padres. Jace Tingler told reporters that Lamette was feeling better and will throw on Friday. If you guys have Lamed, what do you you just hold, right? There's nothing really you could do. Yeah, with like I haven't moved him down my rankings yet, but like if you think Denelson Lamed's going to be fine, there's a bridge right over there that you might be interested in buying <laughs> from me. 
I don't know. Like, I, like, look, obviously, I'm hoping for it, but it's just at this point, you know, I feel very similar, similarly with him and Steven Strasburg. I think I have them back to back in my rankings. Like, the odds are heavily against them coming back and being fine at this point. Yeah, and I'm yeah. I'm way more scared of Lamette than I am Strasburg. Yes, and I'm pretty yeah. scared of Strasburg too. So that just tells you where I'm at on yeah. to Nelson Lamette. Uh, Mookie Betts was back in the lineup for the Dodgers on Thursday. Cody Bellinger took batting practice. He's currently on the IL with a hairline fracture to his left fibula. Zach McKinstry was scratched from the Dodgers lineup with back tightness. The Marlins it's played. Okay. What's up? Because someone named Sheldon Noose just hit a home run to tie the game for them. Well, it, w- so, it wasn't off Ryan Weathers, I'll tell you that. They're so annoying, the Dodgers. <laughs> Uh, they can do no wrong, those Los Angeles Dodgers. The Marlins place Brian Anderson on the aisle with a left oblique strain. Expect John Birdie to see increased playing time. He's just 14% rostered. He has nine. He had nine steals in 39 games last season. Has second base and outfield eligibility. So if you play in a categories league, specifically one with five outfielders, middle infield, I think John Birdie is going to have some value for you. Jose Devers, cousin of Rafael Devers, was recalled by the Marlins. Chris, our resident Marlins fan, he's rocking the all-orange jersey. Any interest in Jose Devers in Dynasty Leagues or anything? I mean, he he should be rostered in like a 15-team Dynasty League, maybe? I don't know about a 12-team Dynasty League. What What do you think, What about a 24-team head-to-head points Dynasty League? He's got to be rostered in that league, right? I don't think he is. He's not. Oh, okay. I shouldn't have mentioned it. Oh, gosh. That's that's a rough look. Um, Why does he got to play that much? I mean... Yeah, like he's... He makes contact. He's got a little bit of speed, but I don't don't really think there's a, a ton to be... Super excited about. I know there are some Marlins fans who do think there's something to be excited about, but I don't it's know. Got a good there name. seems there seems <laughs> to be a, 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 just about no power there. Uh, he's got one home run as a professional in 180 something games. So, so he's the uh, opposite of Rafael Devers, basically. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like if you gave Rafael Devers Jose Devers speed, he might be like the best player in baseball. Yeah, this is like but, a. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero, Wilton Guerrero sort of deal. Right? I think there's like three three Tatis brothers now. So, you know. Yeah, one I saw people talking about one of them today. He was a catcher. So, you know, it's like 14. Probably get signed in a couple of years. Must be nice. Your whole family is just in the MLB. (laughs) I wouldn't know. Didi Gregorius is expected back on Friday for the Phillies, who are in Colorado, so that will definitely help. He was dealing with an elbow injury. Jose Altuve may return this weekend for the Astros. Former Astro, George Springer, will play center field in an intra-squad game Friday for the Blue Jays and is nearing his return. Nate Pearson will throw in that game. Jordan Romano is on track to be activated on Saturday. Julian Merriweather was shut down for a few more weeks. Womp, womp. Imagine spending 30% of your fab budget on, on Julian Merriweather. Wouldn't have been me. Not me. No, I only spent fifty or twenty percent of my fab budget on Tyler Naquin. So hey, Naquin continues to hit, Scott. It's just, he needs some playing time. Uh, Donovan Solano was placed on the IL for the Giants with a right calf strain. Tommy Listella was at second base, and uh, I wrote Donovan Solano. Donovan Solano did not play shortstop. That would have been who am I thinking of? Mauricio Dubon started at shortstop. 
on Thursday. Jock Peterson was placed on the IL with left wrist tendonitis. Nico Horner has been recalled. And remember, he had a great spring. He went 16 for 44 with two home runs and three steals. Horner is only 15% rostered. Scott, what is your interest level in Nico Horner? It's it's pretty good. I like in a 15 team league, I I was regretting not having added him ahead of time. I thought I had until May. So now there's probably going to be a a bid battle. That's a 15 team league, obviously. 12 team league. 12 team roto league with all those extra lineup spots to fill. Um you know, he made a change to his stance that was showing more power this spring and evaluators thought there was more power to be had there. He can run well. Uh, pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. I I would put him be- behind like the Jonathan India class of middle infielders. India hit his first home run today. But not far behind it. So if India is relevant in your league, I think Horner, provided he gets the playing time, you, you know, he's right there too. Just how good can these outfielders be? Let's start off with Mitch Hanniger, who went one for three on Thursday. He had his fifth home run. He is batting 316. I moved him inside my top 35 outfielders. Scott, he won up me. He moved Mitch Hanniger inside his top 30 outfielders. How good no. do you guys think? <laughs> like any outfielder performing well is top 30, like Chris and I were just talking about. Yeah, I saw you move Jared Walsh into, inside your top 30, so that was, uh-huh. uh, I thought, pretty yeah. aggressive as well. Um, how... How good do you guys think Mitch Hanniger can be if he if he stays healthy? Top thirty. <laughs> well, thanks, Scott. <laughs> no, I mean I think he could be good as good as he was whenever he was last healthy, twenty eighteen, right? Um, twenty five yeah, to thirty homers, two eighty ish batting average. That's what I was going to say. Twenty six homers, ninety three RBI, ninety runs, two eighty five average. I think he'd be just about that good. Maybe eight <laughs> yep. eight or so steals. All right, I think it's time for me to just we're going to shut the podcast down. Hope you guys have a good weekend. Um, yes, Mitch Hanniger, I think obviously the biggest thing is he just needs to stay healthy. He's been dealing with all these core injuries, a back injury. He had, I think it was either two or three surgeries since he got hurt last in 2019. So, um, he's had all this time off and it looks like it's doing him well. Uh, I guess there's a chance that he is a sell high, but again, when we say sell high, make sure you're getting something good in return. Don't just sell Mitch Hanniger for the sake of it, because I do think that he can be a top 30-ish outfield the rest of the season. How about Alex Verdugo? He went two for five, picked up his first two steals on Thursday. He is now batting 296 with three homers, two steals, 14 runs scored, 13 RBI. That, my friends, is a five-category player. Verdugo, entering Thursday, was the number eight outfielder in points leagues, number 13 in Roto. Chris, buy or sell Alex Verdugo? Is a top twenty outfielder for fantasy? Oh, sell top twenty. I don't. I don't think he'll be that good. All right, twenty five. Uh, twenty five. Yeah, I do think there are. Looking through it, there are like twenty five outfielders I feel pretty good about. Um, I have him thirty one, and I haven't really moved him up or down since the start of the season. Um, well, you wouldn't move actually, him down. I awesome. did just move him up above Kevin Biggio, but. Like, I still have him right behind Jeff McNeil and Eddie Rosario, and I think those are good spots for him. Um, I, I think he's really good. I just, you know, there is a ceiling to how much power he's ever going to hit for. There is, I don't think, a lot of speed in his profile. So, you know, you're mostly looking at batting average. That being said, if he really can hit 300 in, in an offensive environment where the 
you know, the lowest batting average in major league history, which is currently what we're seeing, you know, that could just make him a top 20 outfielder just by default, just because that's so hard to find. I wonder if he's growing into power, though, because the launch angle is is way up this year. He's kind of has the same things going for him that Ryan McMahon does. Strikeout rate down, you know. Verdugo should have been a contact, more of a contact hitter than he was last year, but the strikeout rate is back down to where, like 16%, where we're used to seeing it. And um, he's he's elevating a lot better. So I'm... I'm pretty encouraged by what I'm seeing here. And he's not fast, but he now has six stolen bases in, uh, what is it, about about uh, 70 games over the last two years. Yeah. So that's, you know. That's not nothing. Stolen bases are weird where they can just disappear instantly, but mm-hmm. that's that's a good pace, you know. Yeah, and, and yeah. We've, we've seen some Red Sox hitters, Devers comes to mind, where, he look, he's not fast, but he had eight steals one year. I think... That's probably the floor for for Dugo. I think he can give you at least eight steals. I think there's a chance he can get maybe 12 to 15. So if he does that, he's probably going to be really good, especially in a Roto League. But I I was going to point out the batted ball data that you brought up, Scott. It's so far this year, Verdugo's ground ball rate is down to 38%. That's what's held him back in the past. That's been too high. Fly ball rate, 36%. Line drives, 25. That's a a great profile for Verdugo. Chris, what do you want to say? I'm just, given that he plays at Fenway, which is arguably, you know, one of the toughest power hitter parks in baseball for right-handed or left-handed bats. And the fact that I think he's just kind of a meh uh, power guy, like raw power guy. I'm not sure. Like maybe he could get to 20 homers, maybe 22 ish. He's on pace for 22 over 150. Yeah. Like I, I think that's probably close to the ceiling. So like, I think you're probably looking at like a sub-peak Michael Brantley uh, in his best-case scenario, not the Michael Brantley who was, you know, hitting 20 homers and stealing 20 bases. But, you know, he could give you a 300 average and 18 homers and 15 steals, and there's a lot of value in that. Yes, for sure, 100%. So if he keeps this up, I I think he can be top 25-ish Alex Verdugo. Jesse Winker had a double-dong with two walks on Thursday, he is now batting 373 with a 1095 OPS. The production has never been the issue for Winker. For his career, he's batting 284. He has an 864 OPS. He's never played more than 113 games in a season. So I can't tell you guys to, hey, pull out your injury crystal ball and tell me if he's going to stay healthy. But uh, Scott, if he does, if Jesse Winker plays, let's say, 140 plus games, what, what does the upside look like for him? Whenever I hype Winker, he burns me severely. It's <laughs> happened a couple times before, including just last year, where I remember. So talk for, him down, Scott. Talk him down. Don't, for, don't. for August, kind of he and kind he last and Joey Votto traded places last year. Like August, Jesse Winker was like MVP caliber, and then September he disappeared, and and you know it was kind of opposite for Votto. I don't want to talk you down. I mean, I mean, there's a lot to like here. He's Good on base guy, more power than he gets credit for. He started nine straight and he's let off all nine of those games. I'm 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 a little wary because I've been burned before and because we've seen him get really hot and cool off. Um, not just last year, but you know, a couple years ago when he had the shoulder stuff going on. But I think right now you there's an there's enough potential and enough I, I think there's still a chance there is 
a big breakthrough in there that you need to be invested in him for now and start him until it runs out. You know, I mean, he's crushing the ball right now. Yeah. yeah. Again, production has never been the issue for Winker. He just needs to stay on the field. And, and so far, he's he's been great again. It's a decent lineup. Great ballpark to hit in. And, and like Verdugo, the batted ball data thus far, uh, the ground ball rate way down for Jesse Winker, which has hampered him at times. He's hitting more line drives, more fly balls thus far. If he keeps it up, he can he can be great. I think he can hit you know close to 30 home runs, maybe even exceed that with, with a good batting average. So His I, I per... His per 150 game pace over the last two seasons is like 32, like 2019 and, or 2020 and 2021. It is like 32, 33 homers. Yeah. So he's awesome. I, I just need yeah. to stay healthy. Uh, I, I think, you know, I, I think Dominic Smith production is, is in the realm of possibility for Winker if everything goes right. By the way, he hit 104 last September. That's how five for, well, five for 48. It wasn't a full month, I guess. But, but something yeah, that's, how, that's how badly he collapsed. He either got hurt or had a COVID situation. I remember something happened in the middle of last season, Scott, with Winker that just completely derailed the season. So, um, still walked a lot. Yeah, three hundred two uh, on base percentage despite batting one hundred four. That's pretty good. Last name I'll mention. We don't really need to talk about him much, but Nick Castellanos. He went two for six. He hit his sixth home run, first game back from his two game suspension. He is batting two ninety nine with a nine seventy OPS. I've said this for I, I don't know how long, but I, I think that there is a Freddie Freeman season somewhere in that bat of Castellanos. Maybe this is the year. Could hit 300, 35-plus home runs, 100 RBI. I, I think it's definitely possible. It's just just keep doing what you're doing, Nick Castellanos. Don't, don't change a damn thing. Wanted to mention Carson Kelly, and, and if this is a breakout, we're getting a lot of questions about him right now. And Carson Kelly hit his fourth home run. That, that whole game was just crazy. The Reds and Diamondbacks on Thursday. Uh, Kelly hit his fourth home run of the season. He's batting 351 with a 1267 OPS. He has started 12 of 19 games. That is, he is on pace for 102 starts over 162 games. 71% rostered, so he's not widely available. He, he's probably out there in some one-catcher leagues, but... Is this it? I mean, is this the breakout season we've been waiting for for Carson Kelly? It might be. It's yeah. it's too early to say, but everything looks good. He's hitting the ball harder. He's walking a ton. He actually has 13 walks compared to 10 strikeouts. Um, the expected stats actually look a lot better than they did two years ago, 2019, when we kind of thought he was emerging as a stud then. So, I, I mean, it's kind of I'm, I'm kind of seeing it as another Brian Reynolds situation where maybe the the wisest decision would have just been to ignore 2020 because uh he's picking he's picking up where he left off more in 2019 yeah i mean he's been in- incredible against left-handed pitchers which he's always been much better uh but he's still been pretty good against righties and so you know it's like a 900 ops against righties i don't think he'll do that but if he can be like an 800 ops against righties to the point where you know, it becomes harder to sit him for Steven Vogt, which has happened probably uh, too many times this season. Then, yeah, I think he could be a top 12 catcher. I, I don't have him there right now, but it wouldn't take much to move him up. Two quick email questions that we received. This one's from Mike. Would you guys drop James McCann for Carson Kelly in a 12-team head-to-head categories league? I had that same decision to make. It wasn't to pick up Carson Kelly. I wanted to drop one of them. And I did, I put in a waiver wire bid to drop Kelly, but I don't know how I feel about it. 
I guess one thing is like McCann will have does have more games left, which I kind of like. And he's going to play more consistently. Like he's going to play a lot more, and he had like his team has more games left, is what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I would. So, do I, think, I would. I, I would think if it's a shallow enough league that Carson Kelly's still available. I just like McCann isn't going to the, the out the the best case outcome for McCann isn't one that in that shallow of a league you're going to be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I gave up James McCann. So. You know, I, I think I'd, I think I'd make the switch. I think I'd see where this goes with Kelly and um, trust that there'll be another pretty good catcher option out there if if it doesn't pan out. But it probably will. I I'm pretty confident Carson Kelly is going to be a starting caliber catcher in fantasy rest of season. It's just the upside might be higher than McCann. This next, All right, I changed it. This next one's from CM. I drafted Gary Sanchez this year, and I am just discouraged once again by the issues with both his playing time and clear further decline in production. I was excited in week one, but that confidence is going away. I have already picked up Carson Kelly. Is it time to consider moving on from Sanchez? And I will just piggyback off of this question and say, Kyle Higashioka hit his third home run of the season on Thursday. He now has more home runs than Gary Sanchez in 28 less at bats. I think Gary Sanchez is going to be okay as long as as long as the Yankees stick with him. The biggest problem for him last year was just the strikeout rate was absurd. And it hasn't been this year. It's been fine. It's actually been among the best Sanchez has ever had. And he's still hitting the ball really hard. He's still, you know, the hard hit rate, the exit velocity, even, even accounting for the fact that it's a up across the league. I mean, it's still, it's still what you expect from see to see from Gary Sanchez at his best. So I, I think he's going to be okay. I, I do too. And people are going to call me a homer. It's fine. But I, I think now is the time. If people in your league are freaking out about Gary Sanchez, go out and get him on the cheap. The plate discipline looks great so far this year. The expected numbers are better than what he's actually done. And for his career, he has a 25% home run to fly ball ratio. So far this year, that is 13%. So that's nearly half of what it's been for his career. And it's been a pretty long career. Like, that's that's a pretty big sample size. The Yankees have played a lot of their games in the, in the Northeast thus far, where it's been very cold. The ball's not flying very well. So I think Sanchez is going to be all right. I would still take him over Carson Kelly. Uh, and if you have him on your team here, I, I wouldn't drop him. CM. Chris sounds kind of pained, though. I, don't I know. just, like, I wish I could share your optimism. Um, well, I have him. I have a bunch of shares this year, and I've never owned Gary Sanchez before. So I'm just kind of hoping that what I'm saying is right, and and I'm no, just going to go I, with it. I'm hoping it is too. I, I just, <laughs> I, I, I'm not optimistic. I'm hopeful. I guess there are good signs, like you guys mentioned, but he still pops up too much. He's still one of the pulliest pull hitters in baseball. He still gets under the ball too much. Like it's, it's the kind of thing where like he he hits a lot of really hard fly balls that are probably like, you know, four degrees of launch angle too high to actually do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's so slow, and yeah. so like you add all those things up, and it's like he pops up a lot. He's really slow. He's easily shiftable. He's actually one of the most shifted right-handed batters. In baseball, he's up to 64, 60% of his plate appearances have been shifted. And so I just add it all up and it's like, 
that's exactly the kind of profile that that if it if someone was going to underperform their expected stats, that is the kind of profile that would underperform expected stats. Well, how did you feel about Sanchez heading into 2020? Because personally, I felt like there was nothing to worry about prior to last year when the strike, like he was coming off a 34 homer season. He had a 33 homer season two yeah. years before that. And his, I thought he was going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know why. I don't know why he's the one whose 2020 counts for more than anybody else's. I don't know if his 2020 counts for more than anyone else's. It's just, you know, now we're. Last four seasons, 186, 232, 147 batting average. Like 242, I think you'd be pretty happy with from Gary Sanchez at this point. Yeah, um, 232 would be fine if he's if he's the best power hitter at the position. And he's, yeah. he still hit 10 home runs in 49 games last year. So the batting yeah. average was terrible. I can't defend that. But if he hits 230 with 25 to 30 home runs, he's still a top eight catcher at the least. If he, if he's fine, he's hitting yeah. more than 30 home runs, I would say, because, yeah. you know, basically he had four seasons prior to last year. Yeah. One was just a 53 three game season when he first came up. He had 20 home runs in those 53 games then followed it up with a 33 season, then had a really bad year, then came back with a 34 homer season, and then had a really, really bad year last year when a lot of players had strangely bad years. All right, we got to move on from Gary Sanchez. We're going to take a quick break, but when we return, we're going to hit the week five pitcher and hitter planners here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The Week 5 Pitcher and Hitter Planners presented by Linen Kugels. I want to start off with just some team schedule notes. It's kind of all over the place thus far. There are five teams with five games in the upcoming week. There are 10 teams with six games, and there are 15 teams with seven games heading into Week five, as always, Scott, why don't you get started with some of your favorite two-start pitchers that are rostered in less than 80% of CBS leagues? So we got to go to a scary place here. I, I think the best two-start pitcher, I'm, I'm up at it to 80%, or rostered in no more than 80% of leagues, because 75 was... You just had ah, to. It's been yeah. difficult, Frank. I, I don't trust my own recommendations because I have to recommend something, but it's not great. Okay, so Domingo Herman made his return today and uh, got the best results he has this year. He gave up three runs in the first inning, but then didn't give up any more. Made it six innings. Only two of the three runs were earned. Got six strikeouts in those six innings. The velocity was down, though, uh, basically two miles per hour. And I wonder if it was him intentionally dialing back the velocity to to command the ball better to not get to not get sunk by home runs like he did in his first two starts still gave up hard contact maybe he just got lucky on the home runs today i i don't know it was a good start a quality start and considering his matchups this week are Orioles and Tigers that's probably the best you're going to find on waivers for a two-star pitcher i'm not saying everybody should go pick up Herman and get him active for a two-start week, but I'm saying I have to recommend someone and that might be the best I can recommend. Okay? Is that fair? Um, 
you know, the, this is the, the thing about a weekly column is that it comes up every week, no matter whether there's actually stuff to write about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Adam Wainwright is 76% rostered. So, you know, might not be able to find him, but coming off a great start. His last couple of starts have been pretty good. One of his two matchups is Pittsburgh. So then I feel okay about that one. Uh, Justice Sheffield, not off to a great start, but not terrible either. The matchups are tougher at Houston versus the Angels. But he is a two-star pitcher if you're just looking for volume in a points league. Anthony Desclafani, been pretty good for the, the Giants. Uh, one of his two matchups is Colorado in San Francisco. So that's a really good matchup. At San Diego, not so much. But again, if, if you're just looking for volume in a points league, I think Sheffield and Desclafani are not so bad. I, I mean, personally, it, it's, like it's we're kind of down to a level. Like, do I really want to drop? a player to add this guy for the two-start week, and I would usually come out no there, but you know, some people are really into streaming pitchers. What can I say? What were you whispering there, Chris, about Disclafani? I like Disclafani. Anything you want to add on him? I He's been pretty good two of the last three seasons. Last year, he made 33 innings and wasn't great, but 2019, he was at over a strikeout per inning. Uh, you know, peripherals that Mostly backed up a sub four ERA. He's at a strikeout per inning right now. He pitches in a great venue. Colorado uh, in San Francisco is an amazing matchup. I I feel like I'm going to get roasted for this one. But in a 12-team points league, I am I have a claim in for Anthony DiSclefani to drop Andrew Vaughn. Boom. Roasted. Look, a points league dropping a bench header for a bench pitcher, I think, is rarely a bad idea. Yeah. So I don't. I'm, no, I'm I, not going to roast you for that. Actually, I don't. Yeah, I don't know if I would even start him. I've got Woodruff, Scherzer, Musgrove, May, and Alcantara. They're all one star pitchers, but eh, you gotta, I don't know. You got to go with the one start studs. Oh, who are they again? I'm sorry. Woodruff, Scherzer, Musgrove, May, and Alcantara. Yeah, it stinks that you don't have a single two-star pitcher, but th- there's no way I'm sitting any of those guys for two-star Desclafani, personally. Yeah. I agree with that. And I brought this up many times regarding Desclafani, but his career in Great American Ballpark when he was with the Reds, 4.94 ERA outside of that venue, a 3.61 ERA for Desclafani. So he could be worthwhile this season in Oracle Park. Scott, a few single-start pitchers that you like as sleepers heading into next week? Well, it's more just because I think they're under-rostered than the matchups. Uh, Danny Duffy, 72% rostered. It's at Minnesota, so understandably some trepidation there. But three great starts with the fastball velocity improved, getting whiffs, getting strikeouts. One of those three starts was against the Angels, so he's always already handled a good lineup. I think among the pitchers that might be on waivers... That's probably the best you're going to do. Andrew Heaney at Seattle. His last start was pretty good. The start before that was awesome. That's a pretty good matchup. Uh, I, I'd be willing to run Michael Fulmer out there if, if I was in a pinch at New York, as bad as the Yankees have been so far. Again, I wasn't really discouraged by how that last start went for Fulmer. Velocity was still up. The slider was still getting some whiffs. And I don't know. Again, we're, we're getting into, okay, I'm pretty desperate here. I, I just need somebody. I, I don't I don't know that I'd write off Jake Junis at Pittsburgh. His last start was pretty bad, and it was against the Rays, which should have been a good matchup. But 
that that cutter it still looked nasty, even though he gave up some hits. I, I think he I think there's a pretty good chance he bounces back at Pittsburgh. The Pirates, by the way, are currently 27th in weighted on-base average versus right-handed pitching, so I can get behind that as Mm -hmm. well. Scott, why don't you wrap us up here with some sleeper hitters for Week 5? So these two are also pretty highly rostered, but below 80%. Jed Lowry, Tampa Bay, and Baltimore for seven-game week. Three of the matchups are against lefties, and he's just destroyed lefties. He's pretty much destroyed everybody this year, but especially lefties. Nick Solak, a seven-game week, again, with three lefties on the schedule. And at home, his splits at home and against lefties are particularly good. Justin Upton, the Angels have match... uh, Let's see. They they face the Rangers and Mariners rotations this week, and Justin Upton heading into... I don't think the Angels played today, right? Thursday? They did. I don't think they did. Against they did? Christian Javier. Okay. Oh, yeah. So he, But anyway, three home runs in his last five games for Upton. And uh, he finished last year on a power binge. He homered four times this spring. He's historically been a very streaky player. I think with those matchups and, and the kind of run he's been on recently, hey, he actually reached base two times tonight, as much as Javier dominated. I think Upton's Looking like a pretty good play. And he's available in more than half of leagues. So that's a good one. I like Kelly this week. I like Joey Wendell this week. Obviously, they've been hot hands. I might run Austin Riley out there in a in a roto league as like a corner infielder. He's showing signs of heating up. And um seven game week for the Braves. Although so that, that home run for the Cubs and Blue Jays rotations. Yeah, yeah Austin Riley Homer wasn't home it was a DJ LeMayhew special. It was, but I, I, you know, I, uh, yeah. I, I think he's showing signs of coming out of it, and yeah. I don't like the strikeout rate is way down. I, I think it's too early to write him off, and it might be the start of something here. The five teams with the best hitter matchups for next week: the Yankees, the A's, the Rockies, Red Sox, and Astros. The five teams with the worst hitter matchups are the Blue Jays, Indians, Brewers, Giants. And Nationals, once again, the Week 5 Pitcher and Hitter Planners presented by Line and Kugels. The weekend is nearly here, and you know what that means. I'm going to sit down, play MLB The Show, relax, watch some baseball, and of course, enjoy an ice-cold Lemon Haze IPA from Line and Kugels. I've tried a bunch of IPAs and can confirm this one is different. It doesn't leave you with any nasty aftertaste. It's really smooth, a well-balanced, hazy IPA that blends hops with delicious lemonade, and that's not all they offer. They also have a Session Hellas, which has all the flavor of a delicious German-style beer, but it's only 99 calories. And of course, I can't forget the classic Kugel's Summer Shandy, which is a crisp beer with refreshing lemonade flavor. So no matter what type of beverage you're craving, Line and Kugels has you covered. Just head on over to liney.com. That's L-E-I-N-I-E.com. Or follow Line and Kugels on Instagram or Facebook for more information about all the delicious beers that they brew. I wanted to hit some waiver wire hitters, but we spoke about these guys already. Brian Reynolds, David Peralta, uh, Paven Smith. Mention him again. I, I think I brought him up either yesterday or the day before. Arizona Diamondbacks, former first-round pick, Went two for five on Thursday with a walk, a run, and an RBI. He has led off now for three straight games. And the expected numbers are pretty good. 306 expected batting average, 474 expected slug for Smith. 
The only problem, 55% ground ball rate. Don't love that. But 9% rostered. Mentioned that 15-team Roto League. I have a bid in for him. So in deeper leagues, he is a name that I am looking at. Anything to see here with these starting pitchers, guys? Nick Pavetta had six innings of two-run ball on Thursday against the Mariners. Mitch Keller at the Tigers. Five innings, two runs, five strikeouts. Jose Urania, back-to-back starts of seven-inning, two-run ball. Justin Dunn at the Red Sox. Five innings, two runs, five strikeouts, 15 whiffs on 100 pitches. Aaron Sanchez at home against the Marlins. Five shutout with two strikeouts. Pavetta, Keller, Urania, Dunn, Aaron Sanchez. Chris, anything to see here? I'm trying to count up how many hard hit balls Jose Arrania gave up. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven to wow. the Pirates. Yikes. That's like twenty-four against a real team. You're not, um, you're not wrong. No, Jose Arrania will like because he pitches so much to contact, occasionally he'll run into good luck and go deep into a game because he pitches efficiently and doesn't go deep into counts, but usually he gets hit hard. I think Mitch Keller's the much more interesting pitcher. Uh, among that group, although I'm still still waiting for him to show signs that he's figuring it out, and I'm not necessarily sure uh, tonight's game was, but among this group, I think he's probably the most interesting. I think Justin Dunn is probably second. Justin Dunn did change up his pitch mix a little bit tonight, didn't throw his slider as much, was throwing his curveball, uh, and did okay against a very tough Red Sox lineup. He's got good stuff. He just can't find the strike zone. He only has three walks over his last two starts, and it was eight in his first, so that's progress. I mean, he's only gotten five innings in each of his last two starts, Justin Dunn has, but uh, the whiffs in in particular against the Red Sox, I I was pretty impressed by that, so not picking him up yet, but I, I think a name to watch. His next start is at Houston, and obviously that's a really tough matchup right now. You don't really want to run many pitchers out against the Astros in Houston. The call to the pen, some bullpen updates from Thursday. Richard Rodriguez picked up his third save for the Pirates. Stefan Crichton in a 14-8 to game allowed two hits and three runs. Scott, Crichton got hurt, right? I, I didn't see exactly what it was. Do you know by any chance? Yeah, I think he got... I think he got hit on the hand, if I remember what I read, because I didn't actually see it either. Yeah, I I know the x-rays were negative. So that that doesn't mean he'll avoid an IL stint necessarily, but he should avoid a lengthy absence. Yeah, it looked like he had just gotten his second save on uh, on Wednesday. But if he misses any time here, I think that throws the roll back up in the air, especially since Joaquin Soria is close to returning. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that same game, and I know you're about to say this, but Lucas Sims looked like he was maybe getting an audition as the closer for the Reds. It was a tie game in the ninth inning. Obviously, Amir Garrett's been terrible. I can't imagine he'll get the next save chance. Um, but it was Sims' third straight day working. Second straight game because one day was divided. One game was divided into two days, but technically the third straight day of working for Sims for the first time all year. And he got knocked around three earned runs. So it's it's worth noting that uh, Sean Doolittle, who would have been the other choice to close potentially, worked earlier in the game and gave up a couple runs himself. So I yeah, walked three. I don't think either pitcher really did anything to advance his case. So maybe Sims gets the next chance too. But clearly he needs a day or two off before that happens. 
it's a mess right now. The med, the the Reds, the Reds bullpen has been a mess. Um, I mean, Sims had been awesome until today, right? And like I yeah. said, third straight day. So I'm, I'm hopeful he gets another chance. I'm overall up for his fantasy value. I'm taking today as a good sign for Sims, even though he was terrible. I'm wondering if at some point TJ Antone gets a look. I know they like him yeah. in this multi-inning reliever role, but he's been great. So. Uh, either either make him the closer or make him a starter because he's just kind of in this fantasy limbo right now where, okay, he helps you with ratios, he gets you some strikeouts, but he could be more valuable if they would just move him into one of those other roles. For the Mariners, Kendall Graveman was used in the eighth in a tie game against the six, seven, and eight hitters in the lineup. Rafael Montero pitched a clean ninth with the game tie, tied and wound up with the win. To stream or not to stream, we're going to hit all three days of the weekend, boys. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. The way we're going to do it, I'll give you five or six of what I think are the best for that day, and you tell me your three favorites. So starting with Friday, Alex Wood versus the Marlins, Dane Dunning at the White Sox, Jay Happ versus the Pirates, Waskar Enoa versus the Diamondbacks, Mike Miner at the Tigers, Casey Mize versus the Royals. Your three favorites. You've put me in a real bind here because I answered this question yesterday and now I have to try to remember which ones <laughs> I said yesterday. I think I said... You said Enoa and Dunning for sure. And then I think you said Wood. Mm. I think so. I'll go Enoa, Mize, and Dunning. All right, on to Saturday. <clears throat> Brady Singer at the Tigers. Adbert Alzali versus the Brewers. Kyle Gibson at the White Sox. Drew Smiley in his return from the IL versus the Diamondbacks. And Robbie Ray at the Rays. Uh, I I don't I don't hate these so far. I'm gonna go. I want to say Robbie Ray so badly. See, that's probably the least interesting yet. one to I me. I can't trust him yet. <laughs> the control hasn't been there. I feel like uh, a, I feel like a Robbie Ray game is coming. Like a classic Robbie Ray, like six walks, five runs. Uh, oh, see, I thought you meant like a nine strikeout no, no. in six innings with one run allowed. We have us. we have a different perception of, of a Robbie Ray game. <laughs> I think both count as a Robbie Ray game. That's fair. I'm going to go Singer. Singer's my favorite by far. I'm going to go Gibson at the White Sox. I think Alzelay is the second for me. Yeah. The thing about Alzelay and Smiley both is I just don't know that they're going to get more than four innings. And yeah. yep. what's it worth to you if they're only going to get that? Uh, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll lean Alzali over Smiley, I guess, for my third choice. And for Sunday, choose three of these. Danny Duffy at the Tigers, Michael Fulmer versus the Royals, Bryce Wilson versus the Diamondbacks, Matt Shoemaker versus the Pirates, Jake Arrieta versus the Brewers, and Logan Webb versus the Marlins. Duffy at Detroit, easy. Yep. Fulmer versus Kansas City, I think, is pretty easy, too. It's the third one. Yep. The third one's a no, whoever it is. I'm going to say, uh, I'll say Shoemaker versus Pittsburgh. Yeah, I was thinking Arietta versus the Brewers, but I don't feel super confident in it. Arietta has not been terrible, and the Brewers are without Christian Yelich. I will break, and have been mostly terrible. I will break the tie, and I will say Arietta. But I don't hate Shoemaker in deeper leagues. Uh, let's wrap up with a few emails here. This one's from Garrett. I am in a daily head-to-head points league. My... Two allowed IL spots are already full. I need to make some waiver moves due to other injuries. Uh, Christian Yelich and Cattell Marte. Should I hold on to Max Freed or Wander Franco? 
Or should I do my best to hold on to both? All right, we're going to throw that out. Choose one to hold on to, Freed or Wander Franco? I mean, you should try to hold on to both, but... <laughs> uh, I think it's got to be Freed. Hold, holding on to Freed? Or discarding Freed? Holding on to Freed. I agree. Okay. Yeah, I agree. This next one's from Jim. I waited on outfielders this year during the draft, figuring I can pick up decent guys later on. Now it hurts. Should I give up on Ian Happ or Jeff McNeil or be patient? 16-team head-to-head points league. Top waiver options are Adam Duvall, Jorickson Profar, Avisael Garcia, Jordan Luplo, Robbie Grossman, the gross man, and Chris, I assume that's Chris Taylor. Yeah, 16-team league, you got to be patient. I was thinking Michael Taylor maybe, but it wouldn't change the answer. Oh, yeah, it might be Michael Taylor. Oh, yeah, it probably is Michael Taylor. Yeah, um, yeah McNeil, McNeil, I'm confident, is going to bounce back. And I'm... You know, I, I was talking about moving Hap out of my top 30 outfielders, but better days are ahead for Hap. Yeah, I, I, there are still reasons to be optimistic about Ian Hap. And same for McNeil. His, his stack ass yeah. page is still pretty good. It's, it's been a slow start. Yeah. But I, and, I, I, and even if it wasn't, you know, like just because you're making weak contact doesn't mean you're damaged as opposed to being in a slump. Right. I wrote about that today, actually. Yeah, like there, there's there's often an assumption that like, oh, this guy's not hitting the ball hard. And it's like, well, yeah, guys actually go into... We, we often think of slumps as like, oh, he's had some bad luck. And it's like, yeah. well, no, sometimes just guys aren't locked in for whatever reason. And some guys, sometimes guys just do get hot. Which, well, is all, so. which is how we used to think of it before we yeah. were introduced to all this stat cast stuff. And, that, and now we think we know more than we actually do. Yeah. and there, <laughs> Or we would think about it as like, oh, there was just some bad luck or he had a few extra seeing eye singles. And now it's like we microscopically look into everything and say, Byron Buxton's got, you know, 70% hard hit rate. This means Byron Buxton's a superstar. And it's like, well, you know, he is, but he's probably <laughs> just hot too. Okay. Uh, I will say, Avisael Garcia... Has been okay this year. I wouldn't drop either Hap or McNeil for him. I, I do like yeah. Garcia a little bit, and the, the Brewers play seven games this upcoming week, so uh, he's the one. If you want to add somebody, not to drop those players, but Garcia is the one that I like most. This one's from Eric. Give up Tim Anderson and Carlos Rodon. Receive Corbin Burns. Wow. <laughs> I would do I mean, it. If, if it's a I, shallow I league, it. I could get behind this totally. As long as you have a decent shortstop replacement uh, obviously yeah that, I, mean, I would i would do it yeah if you're if you're backfilling that position with uh paul de young probably that's not. the problem is there's not a lot of shortstops yeah you know there's like 13 pretty good ones but i'm i'm trusting he has somebody good and he's trading from excess at shortstop and just yeah. upgrading a pitcher and i think uh I think for at least the next three months, you're not going to do much better than Burns at starting pitcher. Last yeah. one we'll get to here. This one's from Alex. I've been offered Juan Soto for Corbin Burns. I have Garrett Cole, Aaron Nola, Joe Musgrove, John Means, and Taylor Rogers as well. Yeah, you have to do it. I think you have to. You hate yeah. trading Corbin Burns, but it's Juan Soto. Right. Agreed. Across the board. Before we wrap up here, are you guys excited for this Mortal Kombat movie coming out on Friday by any chance? <laughs> But the, uh, the first one was so perfect, Frank. Uh, they actually made a second one back in the day. I don't. I don't know that I've ever seen it, but I, I'm not really. Uh, I mean, of course, you know, it, it, Mortal Kombat is just a part of the zeitgeist. So there's 
I know enough about it, but I, I never actually played Mortal Kombat. Oh, really? <laughs> so, it's, yeah, I never did. It was a big part of my childhood. No, I, I believe it. But uh, yeah, I can't I can't say I'm excited because I don't have I don't have that nostalgia for it, you know? Get over here! I'm pretty excited. <laughs> yeah, I never really played Mortal Kombat either. Alrighty, I'm on an island. Like always, it's fine. For Scott and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again on Monday. Bye-bye! Bye-bye!